Take your Bible this morning and make your way to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We are in the last of the mini-series on the church, final study together here from Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, this has been a fruitful study for me. I trust it's been for you as well. So far we've had Scripture inform our collective conscience, if you will, as a church about who we are and what we're all about. In Ephesians chapter 2, we started four weeks ago in a study of Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, examining our identity as a church. What is, who is Grace Church of the Valley? We don't get the opportunity to define that. Uh, that's the privilege of our head, of our chief shepherd, of our king, Jesus Christ. And he gives it to us through the Apostle Paul's instruction in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And there we found who we are. We are a local gathering of the people of God founded upon the New Testament Word of God and unified around the Son of God. That, that is our identity, and it is unshakable, it's unchangeable. This is what the church is, and this is who we are. following week, we saw from Ephesians chapter 4, in this chapter, in the first half, verses 1 through 6, that we also must be defined by unity. So who we are connects directly to what we're all about, and we must be all about Christian unity. Christian unity that's established by new hearts in the people of the church and sound doctrine in the teaching and belief of the church. Those defining characteristics in unity set it apart from all other forms of unity and distinguish it as Christian church Unity, And we must be all about that unity because it is the assumption of the gospel and it is the assumption of God's word for us. Last week, we saw that not only are we all about unity, but we're also all about ministry. Here at Grace Church, we are all about ministry and in particular, every member ministry. That is corporate ministry. When we gather together, it's a gathering of the ministers of Grace Church. We saw that this is the result of the work of the gospel in us in verses 7 through 10 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. And we also saw that this is the master's plan for us in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. The work of the gospel equipped you, saved you for the purpose of ministry and the local church and the master's plan in the church and the leadership of the church is to equip you and facilitate you and unleash you for using your giftedness for the sake of the body. So we are a Christian church. We are a gathering locally of people. We're a local expression of the people of God. The body of Christ. And we're all about Christian unity. Derived from new hearts. And from sound doctrine. And we're all about ministry. That is each of us playing our part. As we have been saved to. And as we are equipped for. Here within the family at Grace Church. Or if you're visiting with us, this is the same intention that God has for your local assembly. These defining qualities are not ours to claim exclusively. These are true of every true church of Jesus Christ, given by the head of the church to the church. And they're ancient. These are not new. We don't have a new strategy. These are the ancient words that we sang about a few moments ago. And yet they are ever relevant to us. This morning we conclude this series and we're going to look at the final portion of 
Hebrews, or rather Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and the second half of this paragraph that we began studying last week. So let, let's read that together. It'll kind of acclimate us again to this portion of God's word, and then we'll dive in together and study it, and I trust we'll be shaped and molded by it. Verse number 11 speaks of Christ and his gifts of individuals to his church, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or pastor teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The clarity of our calling to be ministers in the church, that is, every member of the church ministering with their giftedness for the sake of the body of Christ, raises questions. And we concluded last time asking a few of those questions about what it means to be a minister within a local church. And in particular, what it means, for those of you who are members here at Grace Church, what is it like to minister within our family, Grace Church of the Valley? And so this section, this final portion of the final paragraph... Um, this section really stands out almost like a frequently asked questions portion of a website or brochure. All of you have interacted with FAQ, right? And if you didn't know that's what you were clicking, that's frequently asked questions. And that's really what we have here. These are answers to questions we ought to frequently ask. Four of them. Four questions are going to mark our time together this morning. Why should every member minister Why should I, as a member, minister in the church? How long should every member minister? How long should I be planning to minister within a local church? What is the result of every member ministry? And how do we do every member ministry? How do I minister? What are the long-term and short-term results that I should be looking for? So these questions are answered for us without the question being given. So this is almost like Jeopardy. I grew up in a Jeopardy home. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. We were like addicted to Jeopardy in my house. Um, Not my sister and I, but my parents. It was almost kind of like what is today the American Idol kind of, or 24, whatever your show is that you know, you know, you TiVo it, you you save it, you watch it, you plan out your week, and you know that that's going to be a part of your week. Jeopardy was that for us, and it was daily. I mean, every day after supper, the news was on, and then following the news, Jeopardy. And then the TV went off for the rest of the night so we could get something accomplished. In Jeopardy, a statement comes up on the screen. Whatever Alex turns around and says, uh, and the contestants say, this is what I want and this is for how much, that little block makes a statement. And to get the answer right, you have to have the right question. So they always say, what is, and then they ask a question. So this morning we find questions from statements, just like the game show Jeopardy. We're going to look at statements. We're going to 
identify the question behind them, and then allow those statements to inform us as to the answer to those questions. So we find both the answers and the questions in our text this morning. And there are four questions for us to examine this morning. Grace Church of the Valley is all about every member ministering because the gospel has worked in such a way to equip them for such ministry and it is the master's plan for them to be involved in ministry. Therefore, Grace Church of the Valley is all about every member ministry, which raises question number one. Why should every member minister? Why should every member of Grace Church be considered a minister of Grace Church? Notice in verse number 12, we have a final clause at the end of verse number 12. The offices of the church were given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And now this explanation for building up the body of Christ for building up the body of Christ. It's as if the the game show block opens up and it says for building up the body of Christ. And we click in and we say, what is why should every member minister? Here's the purpose behind every member ministering. Here's the answer to your question. Because this is the chief shepherd's design for building his church. We are all about and must be all about church growth at Grace Church. We must be all about church growth. But not church growth in the normal sense of the term. And not in the normal way of speaking about church growth. Which is really all about a numerical growth. Here we find that the church of Christ must be all about church growth from the inside. And the means of accomplishing that is every member ministering. Teachers, pastors, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Because the ministry builds up the body of Christ. The growth that our Lord intends for us here at Grace Church is directly dependent upon you and on me ministering as members of our church body. You understand that? There's both the sovereign end and the sovereign means. And the sovereign end is that the church would grow and would develop and would be strengthened and would be matured. And we'll see that in the verses to come. That's the sovereign end and the sovereign means that is what God has chosen to get us there is every member ministering. It's you. Therefore, the growth of the church is directly correlating to the involvement of the members in ministry to the church. Understand? So why should I, as a member of Grace Church, be ministering at Grace Church? Because it is the means by which God builds up the body of Christ. You say, this is an unfamiliar idea to me. Let's go to another portion of our New Testament. Same human author and the Apostle Paul, same spirit, gives it to us and correlates perfectly. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's see this same theme played out with maybe a little bit more of a powerful word picture for our understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just a few pages back to your left, if you're new in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, and beginning in verse number 12, we see this. To read along as I read out loud. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now notice verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, that is, one member cannot say to another member, I have no need of you, nor again of the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, presentable, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see the picture here? You see the picture of the growth of the body of Christ through the body of Christ? You're a hand, you're an eye, you're an ear, you're a nose, you're a foot, and you cannot say, I don't need the other members of the church. You cannot, nor can you say, I'm not a member of the church. I, I'm, just, I'm just a lousy old eye. What good am I to the body? I'm of no use. I'm just a nose. I'm a smeller. The picture that Paul uses is great. I mean, if, if everything was an eye, how would it hear? You get this you know, visual image because Paul didn't have cartoons. We get a visual image of a large eye with arms and legs kind of walking around. Those would be arms and legs. So it'd just be an eye rolling around uh, through life. The body is all one because of the members that make it up. And the members that make it up are the means by which it grows and matures. So, brothers and sisters, this morning, the answer to the question, why should I, as a member, minister at Grace Church? It's because this is the design of your head and of my head for the building up of the body of Christ. So, Grace Church is all about every member ministry because it's the design of our head. It's how he designed for the sovereign end of maturity to take place for the building up of the body of Christ. Second question. We encounter when we continue reading, we find in verse 13, until we all attain, until we all attain. The Jeopardy square comes up until we all attain. We click in. What is how long should every member minister? How long should I plan as a member of the body of Christ to be involved in ministering to the body of Christ in serving one another in caring for one another? How long should that take place? I mean, I'm trying to set my schedule up. I'm trying to get things in order. I'm setting up my priorities for the next few years. How long do you think I'm going to have to be involved with the body of Christ? Well, we find the answer in verse number 13. And let me tell you, if you were hoping for a short time, prepare for the disappointment of verse number 13. 
Because notice what it says. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So how long? Well, Paul answers that question with two pictures in verse number 13. Two two faculties that we attain. One is unity. The second is maturity. Two things have to be completed for us to cease from ministering to the body of Christ locally expressed here at Grace Church. Two things. We have to have perfect unity in the faith and in the full knowledge of the Son of God. And if you're thinking we're there, we need to talk. We're not there. And the second thing is mature manhood. And that is compared only to the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. So, we're not there. Unless unless you're confused, you understand that this unity of the faith, this perfect, full unity of the faith in the body of Christ and in the knowledge of the Son of God only takes place when we see Him as He is. It is then that we will know Him fully. It is then that we will comprehend the fullness of Christ. That is the moment of unity when we're in the presence of our Christ. That is the moment of mature manhood when the church will measure up to the stature of Christ. And so until eternity is present, until we're in the very presence of our head, the chief shepherd, the body is to continue ministering to the body, being equipped by the shepherds and teachers and faithfully then ministering to itself. That's how long we should plan as members of the local assemblies to which we belong, in particular here, Grace Church, This is how long we should plan to be involved in people ministry. This is what the gospel does. It changes us. It makes us all about one another. It changes us. It makes us love one another, not just love our own agenda and be all about our own agenda. This is what the master's plan is for us. He saves us for this purpose. Ministering to one another. Building up the body of Christ until we attain to unity And until we attain to corporate maturity, that is the whole of the body of Christ, locally expressed in various and countless local assemblies, reaches full maturity. That will be future maturity. It looks toward the final day and your ministry is the means of growth that leads to that maturity. You remember in Ephesians chapter 5, at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, we have the, the, the well-known section dealing with the marriage roles. We have husbands and wives instructed clearly about how they're to relate to one another. In particular, just so that the record is uh, duly noted, the husbands get the vast majority of the instruction. Okay, Wives, a little bit. Guys, lots. Uh, I think there's probably a correlation between our need for more instruction. But there we're given the picture of Christ and His church. And the husband's love for his wife is a sacrificial love modeled by Christ. And in the modeling of Christ, we find the definition of all that Christ has done for his bride, the church. In that section in Ephesians chapter 5, we find that Christ will present his bride spotless. 
There will be no wrinkle in the dress. There will be no blemish to the bride. This is the work that Christ began at the cross. This is the work that Christ continues to do through every member ministry. And this is the work that Christ will complete when He brings us to the fullness of salvation in His presence forever. So, how long should every member minister? Until the church is perfect in its unity and perfect in its maturity. Looking like its head. My dad used to say to visitors in our church, if you're looking for the perfect church, please leave. Uh, this isn't it, and you're probably going to mess it up worse. Let me, if, let me remind you that this maturity hasn't happened. This maturity has not happened. That's why we're all about ministry. And we have to be. And we ought to thrive in this. And we ought to love doing this. You've been called out by God through Christ, gifted for ministry. And you have shepherds and teachers who are entrusted with equipping you for that ministry through the instruction of the word, through the power of the word explained, and through the fellowship of the body. This is our calling. Now, third question that is answered through our text if we go on reading verse number 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So the third block opens up and we see so that we may no longer be children. We click in and ask the question, what is the result of every member ministry? What is the end? What is the result that we will see as we minister to the body? Here's the result so that this result may happen. We, Paul says plurally, we, and he includes himself in this, a true testimony to Paul's connection to the local church at Ephesus, we may no longer be children. What is the result? What should I expect from every member ministry? Well, if verse number 13 speaks of future maturity, verse number 14 speaks of present maturity. What should the result be? No longer children. That is the result that we should expect from every member ministering to one another. Paul continues in this maturity picture and he gives us dangers that we see found in verse number 14. Notice how he describes children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. All of the, all of the ministry of the body is to preserve the body from being childlike. This is a present maturity. And childlikeness is merged here with the illustration of a little boat. One of my good friends from the shelf, Peter O'Brien, talked about it this way. He says, children are like small, rudderless boats. And so is the unministered body as it drifts along in the waves and winds of false teaching. Small, rudderless boats Helpless, without direction, without defense. Say, what is the result of every member ministry? The body has defenses. The body has direction. 
the body is informed in truth. And what ceases to be is a childlike immaturity that is gullible and willing to believe every wind of doctrine, every human cunning, and every crafty, deceitful scheme. Now those three dangers are all merely human. Every wind of doctrine, every human cunning, and every craftiness in deceitful schemes, all of those false teachings point back to human trickery to lead the body of Christ away from Christ. So we're presented with a very real picture here in Ephesians chapter 4. The body of Christ does not mature apart from the body of Christ. Church growth, that is internal, true church growth, does not take place unless members minister to members. And if members do not minister to members, and if church growth does not take place, then we have childlike churches. And in childlike churches, there is no defense and there is no direction. And every wind of doctrine and every clever trickery presented by the most persuasive human being in that grouping and every deceitful scheme by the enemy presented through false doctrine is bought and is taken in and is accepted without discernment because the body is like a child willing to believe whatever it is told. What's the result of every member of the body of Christ ministering to the members of the body of Christ in their local expression? Well, the result is the body of Christ is no longer like children. Discernment is the positive result of every member ministry. In a battle between truth and deception, which is our battle. Beloved, listen, brothers and sisters, listen, we are in a battle So many times we want to think of the Christian life as heaven with a little bit of sin. But we're not there. This is a battle. We're in a war. We have uniforms on. We have our gear placed on by the gospel. We have a sword. And we enter into battle daily. When we gather together and when we minister to one another, we give ourselves the opportunity for victory through maturity. In the battle between truth and deception within the church, only the body where every member ministers will prevail in the truth. So, if you're an eye, hand, foot, ear, or as Paul said, unmentionable or unpresentable body part, whatever it is that God has equipped you to be within the body, if you are not working properly, if you are not ministering for the sake of the body, then you are leaving a vulnerable spot for the body to be like a child, pushed by wind of doctrine and crushed and moved by crafty schemes and deceitful teaching. So this is present maturity that results in individual members from the work of the ministry by equipped saints in the local church. So, Grace Church of the Valley is all about ministry. We're all about ministry because it's the means of God building His body. The body of Christ here on earth. 
We're all about ministry until the completion takes place, which means we're in this for the long haul. This is why we were saved. This is why we were gifted by the Spirit. And this is what we long to do, to love and serve and care for and minister to one another. And we look forward to the immediate result of maturity that defends the body as every member ministers to one another. Now, the fourth and final question is presented to us in verses 15 and 16. We go on reading in verse number 15. Rather, that is in contrast to the deceitfulness of verse 14. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. Fourth square in the Jeopardy board opens up and we see we are to grow up. And we click in and say, what is, how do we do every member ministry? How do we do it? Well, we're to do it in such a way as to produce growth within the body. And verses 15 and 16 give us the answer to that fourth question. How do we do it? What does it look like? What is ministry between members? You may be here this morning and you've never, you've never engaged in ministry with another Christian. In fact, we could have as many ideals of what ministry is as we do people represented. I mean, you might be thinking, I am active in ministry, and you might have a definition of ministry that is completely different from the person next to you who thinks they're involved in ministry. Or you may be actively involved in ministry, but because of what you think I mean by ministry, you're sitting there thinking, I'm not involved in ministry. So we need to ask the question, what does ministry look like within a local church? And that's the question we get answered in verse number 15. Rather than the false teaching that goes on within an unguarded and immature body, rather, here is ministry defined, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Growth through every member, every member ministry is verbal. Okay, brothers and sisters, understand this. Ministry between Christians. Ministry with, within the body of Grace Church of the Valley and between the members of Grace Church of the Valley is verbal. This is verbal ministry. And it's when we as God's people speak the truth in love to each other. You say, well, isn't that what you're doing right now? Yes, and it is equipping you for doing it tomorrow and this afternoon and the rest of the week and the rest of the month because it is your responsibility as it is mine to be ministering for the sake of Christ in the body of Christ. Growth through every member ministry is verbal. So how do I do every member ministry? You speak the truth to one another. You say, well, what is the truth? John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus prays his high priestly prayer. You remember this? He's talking to the Father. He's asking for unity to happen the way that there's unity in the Trinity. That's the kind of unity Jesus prays for in his church. And then he prays and he says, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. And there's a final statement from Jesus. Your word is Truth. So if you are to go about as a member of the body at Grace Church of the Valley, 
And if you're here considering joining with Grace Church of the Valley as a member of the body here, this is what every member ministry entails. It entails speaking truth, that is, speaking the Word of God into the lives of one another. This is the means of growth through ministry. It's verbal. It's saturated in the truth. And it's consumed by love. Notice the last of that little statement in verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love. The verbal ministry of the body is motivated and controlled by love. All of you have either encountered or you have been one of the people who speaks truth minus the love part. Right? We know the results of truth without love. It's a, it's a rocky road to hoe. To go to someone with the truth and to be devoid of love for them. And so we are commended here that speaking the truth is always, always controlled and motivated by love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter of the New Testament, is speaking directly to the local church at Corinth about how they're supposed to serve one another with their giftedness. In love. That is love that's not arrogant. That is love that doesn't want its own way. That's love that's not irritable. You see, those things are necessary if, if we are going to live life together and minister to one another. The controlling factor of love is paramount for us in our understanding of ministry. How do we do every member ministry? Every member talks to one another. And they talk truth from God to the lives of the people they're engaged with, and they talk truth in love. You say, wow, this, is, this has got to be brand new to this section. No, it, it's really not. In fact, keep going and read what happens in verse number 25 of chapter 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You see, this speaking verbal service and ministry to one another permeates Paul's understanding of the local church. He goes on in verse number 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In other words, you're talking to one another here in our Sunday meeting, in our meet and greet, at your grace group. When you're gathered together in whatever context you're gathered together, around a meal, getting dessert, at the ball game, whatever the case, when you are verbally communicating with one another, it should be marked by truth because truth spoken in love actually is a means of grace. Grace actually flows from you to the person you're talking to. God's grace channeled through you to the person receiving it. Isn't this amazing? This is every member ministry. This is what you were saved for. This is what you all have unique gifting to do. To be involved in the lives of the people of God for the sake of building up the body of Christ. Chapter 5, we find this same theme continuing. Verse number 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, what does a, what does a wise walk look like? Therefore, if that's true, if that's your desire to walk wisely and make the most of your time, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now notice verse 19. 
Addressing who? One another. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, Paul says, listen, there is a controlling substance. He uses wine. And that controlling substance has a result in you. It it, it will be seen in the fruits of your actions and your words. Rather than go to what the world does to get something else to control them, give yourself fully to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to inform your speech. And in this case, speech through song. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Unfortunately, for one of our three opportunities to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs this morning, I addressed you. I didn't get addressed back. This is a part of corporate singing. This is corporate singing. This is what we do. When we gather our voices and we sing praises to God together, we are sending up corporate songs of praise and we are addressing each other. It is good to hear you, member A, member B, member C, singing praise. It informs me. It addresses me. It encourages me to continue on in the gospel. That this is truth. That we ought to praise the King of Heaven. That at Calvary, I did receive pardon. And hearing you sing that out encourages my heart. The ancient words do impart grace, and we do desire that. That's corporate singing that's speaking to one another. This is one expression of every member ministry. Because it's verbal, and it's based in the truth, and it's saturated in love. It's what God intends for us. Now, notice back in chapter 4, let's continue in verse 15 and 16 and wrap this up there's so much here we could spend weeks and weeks unpacking this but for the sake of time let's conclude our study here we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ notice again the theme of christ being the the object uh, of our pursuit he's the model that we watch and it is it is him he's the recipient of our growth into him who is the head into Christ. Now notice what is said about Christ in verse number 16. It is from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, if you have an ESV with you this morning, you've got to watch commas in your Bible. Okay? Watch your commas in verse number 16. From whom the whole body, comma. From whom the whole body is pointing back to, in the end of verse number 15, Christ. So there's a source for the growth of the body. And the source is Christ. Now we have a bunch of information before we find out why that comma is there. From whom the whole body, comma. And then we pick up with a verb at the end of verse number 16, makes the body grow. So, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Jesus Christ makes the body of Christ grow. It's His work. And notice the tools that He uses to get it done. Don't miss the tools that Christ uses to build His church. Verse number 16, after the first comma. That body 
is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, then Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we have Christ as the source of all power. He's the source of all grace. He's the source of gifting even through the Spirit. It is all from Christ. He's the center of it all. And yet the means by which He makes the body grow is through the functions of the members of the local churches, which results in them building themselves up. The church actually builds itself. So how does church growth happen? Is Christ out of the picture? Absolutely not. Because He redeems, He gifts, He enables, He empowers, and He unleashes His people to minister to one another so that the church builds itself up in love. This is the Master's plan. This is the Gospel's work. Every member ministering. Speaking the truth in love to one another. Bringing the Word of God to bear upon the lives of believers in our midst. So that grace flows from God through us to the individuals that we're relating to. And to the ones that are receiving our ministry. So Grace Church is all about every member ministry. Because the final result of every member ministry is self-building within the church that is saturated in love. You understand this? Do you see the picture here? We have these four questions. The four questions really just get us into the text. Because the text outlines for us how the master's plan is to be understood within the church. There are no... There are no audience members in the church. There are only those who are in the game. There's only one who is the audience of the church's life, and that is its head, Jesus Christ. The rest of us are servants under Him and for Him. The rest of us are ministers for the sake of the body. So, here is the culmination of who we are and what we're all about. Who are we? We're Christians. What are we all about? Christian unity. What are we all about? Christian ministry. That is every member ministering to one another. So it leaves us with some really simple application. I mean, there's only a few things we could, we could apply from this. If we're members of a local assembly, the question we must ask this morning and this week, how must my life as a family member gathered at Grace Church further conform to the biblical directives for the church? How, how can my life look more like that? That's, that's the question we ought to ask. That's the question the Spirit will answer if you ask Him. He will press upon you where your life does not conform to these objectives. A mutual building up through verbal ministry of one to another. There are those who are particularly gifted in teaching. There are those who are particularly gifted in service. There are those who are particularly gifted in compassion and mercy. They are especially gifted in that, but these are the one another's through which, through which God builds His church. So how must my life, how must Adam Bailey, as a member 
of Grace Church, a body part at Grace Church, a local expression of the greater body of Christ, how must Adam Bailey further conform to the biblical directives for the body? That's the question we have to ask. Non-members who are with us this morning, you may be members elsewhere. That's the same question for you in regards to your local assembly. Those who are here who are visiting and and deciding whether this will be where you are accountable and where you are equipped and where you minister, understand that these are the expectations of Grace Church. This is, this is our calling from our head. This is what we desire. It's what we want to pursue. It's what we as leaders desire to equip you to accomplish. It's why we do what we do to see the body of Christ built, new members added, all members growing through every member ministry. Not members who are here who have no intention of being members. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you must ask yourself what keeps you from partnering with Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, this is the work of Christ. So if you follow him, why would you not follow him into his work? This is how he extends his kingdom. Partnering with a local assembly of believers under local leadership for the sake of furthering the gospel and building up the body of Christ. Who we are, what we're all about. Grace Church is a local gathering of the people of God, founded upon the New Testament Word of God, and unified around the Son of God. And it's all about Christian unity, based upon new hearts and sound doctrine, accomplished through every member ministering to one another. That's it. That's the four-part miniseries. That, I trust, will inform our conscience and renew our minds so that we think biblically about the church. It's the dearest place on earth. It's our preparation for our heavenly glory. And I trust it's your desire to be a minister for the sake of building up the body of your Christ, who is its head. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the clarity that it brings, for the information that it brings. But we are mindful this morning that information alone only puffs up. So we want information to be met with our affections, our love for you and our new love for your people that you have worked in us through your spirit's regenerating work. So may this information meet love and may it turn to action then. May we be informed in our conscience and bound by our love for you and our, our gratitude for the gospel, for the grace of God through Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life in our place, who died bearing your full wrath in our place, and who was raised on the third day to victorious eternal life that we receive through Him. May the miracle of you turning our hearts in faith and belief and repentance following Christ, may that gratitude, may that love and affection motivate us, drive us, and push us to live out what you have designed for us. May Grace Church be a church where the people of God gather and serve one another. May we be all about church growth that is defined, explained by you. May there be maturity here, presently, even as we look forward to and long for the full maturity of the full body of Christ. 
Sanctify us by your truth. And we confess with our Christ, your word is truth, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.